Hello, and welcome to episode 234 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Adam Gagnon and Mike Varillo, the creators of Social Studies, now on Indiegogo. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Uh, Adam, let's, uh, let's start off with you. Let's do the, uh, the quick bio. And as sort of the, the main writer of this series, you can give us the, the elevator pitch as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, the comic has been kind of in our lives since we were about 14 years old. Um, and then a few years ago, horribly boring office job, just one of those soul sucking, you just watch the clock all day long jobs. So I started taking a lot of classes in writing, screenwriting, script writing. And I had some ideas kicking around that I was writing about. And then I kept coming back to this, but there is no, at the time we were just calling it Lenter and Roy, the name of our three leads uh, before we found the name social studies. I said, that doesn't exist without Mike. So I wrote like the strongest script I was capable of at the time and sent it to Mike and just said, what do you think you want to go for it for real? And that was kind of how this version of it kicked off so that was pretty exciting awesome and and mike you're handling the the art chores here so you know um you gave us a bio on the first one but uh, can you do us a quick uh bio again here yeah um so i i i started drawing essentially back around second grade um i think that's when i can really think back and notice that i actually started uh really figuring out that I love to draw. Um, I used to trace the characters out of like Nintendo uh, game books and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, fast forward ninth grade, me and Adam met, uh, which is actually illustrated in the first episode, how we, how we met almost down to a T. Uh, and like Adam said, it's been in the works for so long. We, we always had these characters. We always kind of messed around, just did spoof comics with them and all that kind of had a storyline for a while, but it was more just like, Hey, we saw something goofy. Let's throw that in the comic and just do something ridiculous with it. Uh, and then like Adam said, once he started writing those scripts, he sent it to me one day as, and I read it and I was like, dude, we, we got to sit down and do this. This is it's time. Um, so we, it's evolved from hand-drawn penciled to ink to scan to redrawn on the computer down. And now we've evolved to actually doing pretty much everything digitally, which is, making it go a lot faster but uh we just you know adam keeps sending me scripts we go over them we iron out what we want and then uh next thing you know we we're pumping out that episode so you know we just keep going and going at this point it's just too much fun to stop nice and if i remember correctly it's sort of a uh the the friendship was born about asking like if you liked a certain video game and then like maybe some notes and some drawings of the video game was, was passed yeah. over and the, and the friendship was born from that. Right. Yep. Yep. Starcraft. If anybody remembers it, the original Starcraft, uh, I think I was drawing a space Marine in a uh, composition notebook and uh, Adam sat down. Well, yeah, he sat down next to me cause he was late for class <laughs> and uh, looked over, saw me drawing, asked about it. He was like, Hey, you're into that too. I was like, yeah. So we instantly hit it off and boom. That's so awesome. So um, I'm interested, and maybe I asked this last time, but I'm kind of curious, Mike and Adam, sort of like, you guys have been doing this, you know, since high school. What's the sort of biggest takeaway that you guys have learned as far as creating comics goes in that time? Uh, I, Adam, I guess you, I'd be interested to hear what, what your approach, like, you know, what's the biggest takeaway you've had from working on it that long? Uh, well, I always... When we used to do them, it was never thought out like, we're going to write a script, we need an A story, we need a B story, we need, you know, the uh, inciting incident, we need the three-act structure. Like, we never thought about it that clearly. It was just kind of like an ongoing spoof of things that we were into or things that we were not into, um, you know, maybe making fun of kids we didn't like at school or they didn't like us, and it was kind of our you know, fantasy revenge in a way, you know, nothing horrible, but um, she's <laughs> just kind of like, you know, telling the bullies what's what in the context of the comic. Um, so the writing kind of came later, even though I always enjoyed it and I wanted to like really learn how to do it. Um, I don't really like to do things in half measures. I probably went overboard, but uh, writing it like a sitcom, I think helps us find the tone. 
So uh, it always felt to me like we were behind, you know, better late than never was my mentality at first. But I think given everything we learned in our life experience, it really helped us start off on a strong foundation. Yeah, Mike, I'm interested to, to hear what, what, what you've sort of gained from this as an artist yeah. um, working on it. Um, two things. One, that I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to marketing. Uh, and two, stick with it is what I would say I learned the most. Um, you know, there was always stuff that I had trouble with. And I think everybody who's ever tried to draw anything in their life would agree hands are really hard to draw. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was times where every hand I drew was exactly the same because I found one pose that worked and that was it. I couldn't change anything, but it took years to kind of start getting out of the comfort zone and try different art styles, things like that. Um, you know, if you look at what I did back in ninth grade compared to what I was doing now, everything back then is really sketchy, um, disproportionate, you know, and in my own opinion, I thought it was good. People told me it was good. So, uh, you know, I liked it. I still enjoy doing it, but especially to anybody out there too. I mean, just keep practicing really and, and be inspired by the things around you. That's the biggest thing. Um, taking in different art styles, uh, what you, what you have been using for a long time, even though you're used to it, you might find a different type of style is you're, you're better at it or you like it better. Um, so just kind of branch out. That's one big thing I learned was, um, try different things and, uh, and, and branch out your art style a little bit. So Mike, um, you know, your transition from, you know, ballpoint pen sketches in a, you know, a line notebook, that's very unforgiving. If you make a mark that you yeah. don't like, it's, it's there. The, uh, the transition and the sort of the growth as an artist, and now that you're, you're working digitally, um, is that allowing you to, to, to take more chances? Because like we said, oh, you, yeah. know, you, you, you put that mark down with a, with a mark, you know, a ballpoint pen, that's there for forever. I mean, maybe you can scratch it, try to change the shape around, but now you sort of have the ability to take some chances because if it doesn't work, there's always the undo key and, and to come Control back to Z it. Control Z is my best friend. Control <laughs> Z. Uh, I barely ever use the eraser on the, on the digital stuff just because if I, if I mess up a line, it's usually just, okay, get rid of that line, redo it. And then there's times too, I find I have a really long line going and I forget where I stopped and started and uh, I'll hit control Z and lose a really good portion of the character. So uh, thank God for the redo as well. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, back then too, especially with the pens and the kind of like Bob Ross used to say the happy little mistakes, I kind of just roll with it. If I screwed something up, just turn it into something else or shadow over it or something like that. Um, and you can always do something with it. I mean, unless, unless you finish and you turn around and the guy's head's six times too big, you're like, well, okay, now he's got a balloon head, whatever. But, uh, but you know, you can, you can take a small line and turn it into anything. If you're drawing an arm and a line kicks off, turn it into a muscle uh, shadow or, or, or a vein or something. You can, you can always do something with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious what your approach is to the discipline of not just undoing everything and like obsessing over every line until it's perfect in your head what, what sort of your approach to being like okay this is good I don't need to do any more just move on um I got to be happy with it uh so if I look at it and I and in my I won't say I'm a perfectionist but I'm pretty OCD about certain things and uh if, if something's not looking right if an arm's too long or whatever the case may be I it's not something that's going to keep me up at night thinking, okay, if I don't get this done, I'm, I'm not sleeping tonight. It's, you know, I'll, I'll give it a bunch of tries. If I get it as best that, that I know that's the best version of this that I just put forward, then I'm, I'll, I'll stop at it. But, you know, generally with my process too, it's uh, I still use the word pencil, but I pencil it on the, on the, uh, on the pages in Photoshop first anyway. So I can always, step back, look at the pencil version of it, figure out what I want to change. And then as I'm inking it, if I make a mistake or if I screw something up, it's, it's not something I'll spend 45 minutes on trying to fix or perfect. I'll, I'll get the line in and I'll, I'll move on. 
So, so Adam, much like an artist can sort of evolve and change their style, um, how has sort of your 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 writing style? Because you mentioned earlier, you know, early on, this was sort of like the have fun, sort of tell a story, you know, maybe make some fun of of some folks behind their back, or maybe more directly to them. But you've you've studied screenwriting, so the the process has probably gone from more sort of rudimentary, just sort of like A to B, I'm, I'm telling a story. And now you're, you know, you're, you're looking for like beats, page breaks and, and, and stuff like that. So how has your, um, your storytelling style evolved as Mike's art style has evolved from, you know, two kids and a notebook to, to more mature sort of approach to it? Yeah, that's something um, I, I like to feel I'm getting the hang of pretty well. Uh, the dialogue's a big thing, um, especially between a couple of our characters, Turner and Wesley. There used to not really be any difference. They were both kind of the zany, wacky one. So finding a unique voice for everybody was really important to us. We didn't want anyone to just be a mimic or any character to be extra. Like, why do you have two smart crackers? You know, like, why, you don't need that. So that was a big part of it. And, and something else was um, making every line count because we want to throw jokes in there. We want it to be lighthearted and funny. And there'd be like a quick aside here and there on a joke. Folks, even if they feel like throwaway ones set up to, oh, you know, we have this story four issues from now where this character and this character are maybe at odds or they disagreeing about something. So throw the little jabs in back here that appear to be a throwaway joke. But then when you look back, when you see them having an argument, you can kind of see it was boiling for a while, you know, just as an example. So little things like that we try to get in and um, like longer term relationship things between the characters, like more romantic relationship stuff. We try to plant those seeds, too, because while we want every comic to be, you know, the, the Stan Lee thing, everyone's comic is someone's first comic. Someone can pick up issue seven and enjoy it just as much as issue two. Um, we don't ever want a storyline to come out of nowhere. It has to make sense on its own, but we also like to plant the seeds. So trying to do all those things inside of like 22 pages gets to be a bit of a balancing act. So I think we talked about this a little bit um, on the first interview, but, you know, you guys have this this long history, you know, all of these situations you got into that, that you draw from um, when you sort of like, let's, you know, add this to the story. Do you guys ever as time has gone by, remembered things differently and like Mike's got to come in and be like, Hey, Adam, it didn't quite go that way. Um, and sort of change it or, or sort of remember it. I'm just wondering with the passage of time, if sort of folks remember, uh, incidents differently. I would actually say, even if we remembered something differently, if it works for the story, cause this isn't hundred percent accurate, yeah. you know, autobiography, a lot of the stuff is made up in here. Um, we, we kind of thought it'd be fun to let the readers decide for their own what actually happened and what didn't. Um, but I would actually say that it's more just remembering things. Cause like uh, one day I'll, I'll call up Adam and be like, Hey, do you remember when this happened? And he'd be like, Holy crap. I <laughs> hadn't thought of that since, you know, it was 20 years ago. Um, and it's like, it's, and even I, I don't know what triggered the, the memory, but I'll be would, we got to throw that in there somewhere, you know, like, yes, we have to, we can easily put it in here or, or make it as a joke here. And uh, in, in that sense, it's, it kind of works out really well. Just all of a sudden remembering things because we've even come up with full blown episodes just off of one goofy thing that we experienced back in high school or shortly after. I think that's sort of what adds like an authentication to the story. Like mm -hmm. it sort of feels real you know in a lot of ways not like obviously like it's a story right so there's that inherent thing that you're being told the story but I, but I'm, I'm wondering like do you guys have to like pace yourselves with like the real stuff that you put in there or is it just again just sort of how you feel about the story where it's like okay like we have this real event here sort of peppered by these fictional events and maybe if you have too many real stuff close together it sort of has a different feel to it now, I'm just interested in that um yeah, Adam and Mike, I'd like mm -hmm. to hear what, what, yeah, what do you think, Adam? I, I think we do a good job of mixing everything around. Yeah, I think at the beginning it was because we were kind of excited about our concept of let's use our real lives as jumping off points, even if we're not sticking strictly to it. And we were almost doing like 
all of high school and all of our early 20s in like six issues. And we're like, okay, we got to spread this out. Let's make it funny. Let's do, you know, we do a whole issue where they go and play paintball, which is something we used to do. But of course, the whole actual paintball game, like if we went verbatim, a paintball game that we played at one point, it would be the most boring thing ever. It's not a story. Um, so we'll take something like that and make a full issue out of it. And it's a lot of fun. It gives us a chance to write an action story in that case. Um, so we kind of spread out our real life things. And that especially uh, I found difficult in the beginning with the more romantic relationships, because we know where we want things to end up, but we're like playing along. Like with one character, we have like a five year plan on this thing going on. So it's really hard not to plant too strong of seeds there because we don't want people to feel like there's no payoff because it's not coming quick enough. Mm -hmm. So when you guys do like a, like you were saying earlier, you can make an issue around the, the event of, of going to a paintball game, but there's, you know, story aspects that you're adding to it to, to make it an issue. Do you guys have like a page count that, that you're aiming for? Or if the story sort of, um, calls for less pages, you go with less pages, or if you need more pages to, to describe it, um, do you just sort of let the story go? Or do you sort of say, hey, let's let's make this issue, you know, X pages, and you try to stick to that every time? How, how do you handle that? Um, in the beginning, our comics are longer, because we, we were writing 30-page scripts, and then at one point, for whatever reason, we, like, meshed two together so like for every two scripts we had we made it one like super long one and then when mike started laying out the first issue he's like this is going to be like 100 pages for one issue like we got to do something so then we tried to separate them again and that's where we came up with the the sitcom a and b story thing so that all the characters could be involved even if we didn't have 10 people in the room at all times uh so the beginning ones do run kind of long and we generally aim for like that 22 to 24 page seems to be like what the, uh, the, the big publishers used to do. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if we go over, you go to 27, fine. We try not to go under 20 because we don't want people to feel like, you know, someone's spending five bucks per book. Oh, it's 25 pages. Great. Oh, 26 pages. Oh, 23 pages. Oh, 18. You know, we're trying not to make people feel shortchanged. So. And when you went from that sort of, you know, the initial sort of, uh, you know, outline and then, and then Mike realized, Hey, this is going to be way too long. We need to break it. We need to break it up. Um, were there ever any times where he like got into like uh, panel uh, descriptions? Like, um, you know, we got too much going on here on this page. Let's, let's make it too. Cause I know for myself as a, as a rookie writer, I've made the mistake of trying to jam too much, you know, 15 panels on a page and the writer and the artist coming back and be like, no way, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. Did you guys sort of have to like iron it out and find like a sweet spot where, where you, you feel like this is as many panels as I can get on this page? Believe it or not, Adam, um, he writes it more like a sitcom script uh, and, and kind of leaves it up to me to figure out how the layout's going to be. And, and, and weirdly enough, it works really well. Um, and there are times where I'm reading through and I have to, and I think to myself like, all right, there's, there's a half a page of conversation going on. Do I need eight panels of this guy's face talking, then this guy's face talking, then this guy's face talking, and then this guy's face, it, or can I do a half a page with a group shot and we just have to kind of figure out where the, where the speech bubbles are going to go. And uh, so I'll, I'll usually be able to cram something like that into, I try to keep it into less panels, um, larger or less panels with a lot of, a lot of room for Adam to go in and add speech bubbles where he can and, and in an appropriate order that it's going to guide the reader's eye in the right direction. So we haven't really run into too many issues with that. Um, like I said, the way Adam writes it leaves it very open for me to kind of interpret where I want things to go and how I want the layout. So it actually works really well. We kind of think of it more as it is a comic book. It does work as a comic book, but from script to finished product, we almost look at it as here's a comic book that storyboards an animated episode. So Mike hits the key moments, the important conversations and you can imagine the filler in between that would make it a, you know, 25 minute animation. 
So, so one thing that was interesting in the description that Mike was, was giving us is that sometimes he might look at something that you've given him, Adam, and it's, he's like, you know, I could do this as, you know, eight panels of, of talking heads, which might not, you know, dynamically be the most interesting thing to, to look at, sort of the, the, the back and forth, but I can make this sort of like a crowd shot and everybody's talking. When you're doing the, uh, the, the script for him, do you have the dialogue in it at that point? Or are you just sort of hinting at like what the people are going to say? Or is it like exactly at that moment what you think they're going to say? Uh, it's never exactly, because even as we're lettering it, I could mm -hmm. be like, hey, I was just lettering this page. And what if we did this joke instead of that joke? Or Mike would read like the rough lettering that I've done. So it's, it's never done, done. Um, but the scripts are fully written, fully fleshed out every conversation before Mike starts roughing it out. And even though, even then, sometimes when I'm drawing it, when you add the, the words to the physical image, it opens up possibilities for new jokes and new kind of, even if it's like slapstick humor or something like that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that will evolve the, the conversation too. And before I do it, I'll give Adam a call and say, Hey, here's what I'm thinking at this page and this panel and get the thumbs up, thumbs down, and then we'll, we'll go from there. One thing I think we kind of found along the way, because I would always write it and I'm just looking at black words on a white paper. Um, Mike thinks a lot more visually so the script will change where he sees ideas, like you said, slapstick or some physical comedy. So now when I'm writing, because we've done so many, if it's a conversation between two people and it's kind of dry or maybe a little bit more serious, but we need it for the story, we'll try to have a character distracting them or doing something in the background or something to kind of take your focus away to soften it up a little bit. And I know that you said, um, you know, earlier you, you did a lot of like studying, like you, you don't do anything sort of, uh, you know, halfway, you, you, you commit, you, you learn. Did you, um, to learn how to letter, did you sort of go look at other comic books and, and, and try to look at like, this is how this, this works? Or did you, you take a, any more formal training on, on lettering a, a book? I did do a couple online classes. I can't remember off the top of my head what they were, but I know I paid for at least two, maybe three. A bunch of YouTube videos and reading some books on making comics, things like that. And uh, just, um, you know, reading them and being really aware. Uh, while I'm reading a comic, not just reading the words, but how did they do it? Where did they put it? These are the rules, but you can kind of break the rules, things like that. I had a question sorry to go back on this but i guess it kind of goes along with breaking the rules about this being like a storyboard for an animated you know animated show and we definitely talked about this on the last episode but it's something that i always struggle with as a comic book artist so i'm asking thinking it'll make good conversation but also for advice for myself in animation it's sort of interesting because like people can kind of tell the quality of the animation by how many characters are on screen at a time or in the panel so I'm, I'm, I'm interested again to hear both of your guys' approaches to like how many characters you like to sort of have in the panel at once. And like, what approach do you feel like if it's like, like, you know, especially like in conversations with more than one person, how do you split that up and everything like that? So it's a big question, but I, I am interested to hear your guys' approach to that. Yeah, um, no, I think it's a great question. So we, I guess it really just, it's, it's all very situationally dependent. Um, certain episodes are going to call for, like we really enjoy the big group dynamic conversations. Like there's usually something happening with our, one character, usually Lenny, who's, who's done something to embarrass himself. And instead of picking him up, the entire group just feeds off each other as they continually give him crap. Um, and, and, I think those are some of our favorite interactions, the way we had those set up in the books. Um, so there are a bunch of times where it's almost like a full all hands on deck cast in the panel or in several panels. Um, and and I, I, I really, I really think people will enjoy those. Um, and on top of that, because we're trying to portray that, you know, grain of sand and the beach high school feeling, and I'm trying to do better as, as time goes on with, with details on background characters. We're trying to add as many 
background characters as possible. Like when you, when they're walking down the school, it should be shoulder to shoulder. You can barely see the wall. It's, and, and every time I'll admit there were times where it was like uh, just not enough space. So I just drew bumps that looked like people's heads and we shadowed it in. Uh, but on some of the bigger panels, I'm trying to do my best to add unique, not just generic circular face with an eye and a mouth, but unique characters throughout the whole background. And, and sometimes we even have them reacting to the things that's going on or, or even having their own conversations in the backgrounds, which kind of add to it. Now, do those background characters, um, do you have sort of like character sheets so that like, you know, the same people show up and it's not just, you know, um, random, high school, random high school student A and then the next page, it's, do, do, they, do the background characters repeat? So like, in a roundabout way, we sort of get to know them in, in the distance? Some do, yes. Uh, there are a few background characters that you'll see quite a few times. And then again, also kind of going along with the, the feeling of like that you just one in a million is uh, some, uh, I'll still just kind of mess around and just draw new mm -hmm. ones. But um, I don't have sheets per se, but I have referenced back to previous episode and, and issues and looked at the background characters and repeated them throughout different episodes. So I know that you have like a core group of friends, but you know, with any sort of high school group, there's, you know, there's like the, the really tight group. And then there's sort of the people who come and go um, in there, they're there for a while. Is If you need to introduce somebody into the, make them a little bit closer to the group, do they sort of, maybe do you see them as like a, a background pair or character who's, you know, slightly involved, maybe here's what the, the main group is, is saying. Do you sort of try to work in characters that way? I think we do, right, Adam? Yeah, we do have, uh, we, we call them like, like our A list, B list, that kind of thing. So we already have some A and B. And then there was um, like Mike did a kind of just a background character for like a party scene, but we really liked the character design. So she got promoted to like C list character, I guess you could say. Like she'll be in and out for a couple of small story threads. Um, so we're doing things like that. So there's some consistency and some of that feeling of, yes, you have your core group of friends, but you also do on occasion talk to other people. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like, like a 90s sitcom where like mm -hmm. the friends on friends never talk to anybody else unless it's like a guy they're dating for three episodes. Yeah, I was wondering about that approach too. And I guess it, it kind of goes into the sort of like, that, that's such a great way of categorizing it, Adam, is like B-list, C-list and stuff like that. So I wonder with like characters like um, there's the dance one where the guy has to go with the like the socially awkward the girl over there. And then eventually like she has her own arc and like finds someone in the end and stuff like that. Like, do you guys ever get like draw a character or write a character and you're like, I really like like her, this person's story is not over. Like I have plans to bring them back like later oh, yeah. on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Quite a few actually. Um, yeah. and you'll, you'll, I think you'll see that as, as time progresses, you'll, you'll start to pick up on the ones that you'll, you'll know exactly the ones when you read it, be like, okay, that's, that's my question right there. Okay. And some of it's planned, but some of it isn't. Um, there was one character that we were just going to use one issue, kind of a throwaway thing. She didn't even have a name. And then we had an idea for a story for chapter two and we're like, Oh, let's use that girl from chapter one because we liked the design enough and we didn't really do anything with her. So unintentionally as well. Well, what I find that it's impressive about you guys being able to recall all that stuff that you guys are on opposite coasts from each other mm -hmm. and just are doing this over the phone, right? Like that's super impressive to be on that wavelength. <laughs> And obviously you got like Thank your you. comics there to reference and stuff like that. But like, if I'm doing stuff like that. Like I need like a dry erase board or something like that to be like planning out all the characters. And Pictures everything. with so. pins in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the part for us that really worked because it is semi-autobiographical, even though like the one character I was just referencing in particular is not based on any one person. This kind of thing actually happened to us. And the characters themselves, our main core characters, we've been doing something with them for 22 years now. So right. we kind of know them as if they're people. So it's a little easier to track. Another thing, too, is we have thousands. There's got to be at least a thousand 
notebooks and sketch pads filled with <laughs> jokes and things, you know, and, and if anybody ever watched Seinfeld, you know how he, they always have a name for somebody, right? Uh, Bubble boy or whatever the case may be. Um, and we kind of had that same thing. Like that was our thing growing up. Everybody ended up with a, a nickname or a reference and not just friends, like people we didn't necessarily get along with too, you know? And if, if an outsider heard us talking and think we'd be speaking another language just because <laughs> the stuff would made no sense, but, but we had, everybody had a name. And I think that's another thing you'll see as time goes on too, is they're, they're kind of, their core group starts to identify other people as, you know, this is this guy and that's that girl and this and this. And so um, I think, I think it actually has a pretty good, a pretty funny impact over, over time. So Noah touched on this, that you guys are on um, opposite coast, different time zones. So how does that affect like workflow? Like, um, you know, maybe you guys are, you know, touching base, like on, on a page or, or, or the next, you know, sequence of art, you know, and Adam, you're on the East coast. So you might, you know, your day ends earlier. You, and then sort of like, do you sort of wake up to, to, you know, new art, new panels from, from Mike. And it's sort of like, that was the thing that we were talking about. And in the, and then in sort of in the morning you, you take over as he's, you know, just, getting ready for for his day and stuff like that how does the time zone sort of affect the uh the workflow you actually kind of nailed it like when we're in the middle of doing a new issue well i guess we're always in the middle of doing a new issue at this point we don't really ever go between uh but like waking up to like a new inked page like the most exciting it feels like christmas it's like so awesome and then if that happens i'll try to oh well mike gets out of work at this time so i'm going to try to have this page colored by then so he has it to look forward to or Oh, I'm going to have this script done by this day because I know he's off for a couple of days. Then we can get together and go over it. Uh, but we do find times that overlap, um, like before Mike goes into work, since he works nights and I start my day early. We do have a big chunk of time in the middle of the day. And we talk on the phone now more than we have. Yeah. We probably talk more now than we ever did aside from when we were 14 and lived near each other. Yeah, there was points in time where we were on the phone for two or three hours a day for two weeks at a time. You know, it's yeah. just constant communication. I mean, we, we still text back and forth too about updates and everything, but uh, I don't think the three hour difference puts too big of a stress on anything. But like Adam said too, it's kind of cool. It's four o'clock in the morning and I get a notification and it's a, it's a screenshot of the newly inked or a newly colored page. And that's, then I can't go to sleep because I want to sit there looking <laughs> at it all night, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool though. Um, so, no, I'm going to check with you to see if you have any more art questions before we sort of shift over to, to crowdfunding and, and marketing. Um, any art story questions, anything like that? No, I'm ready to get into the, the, uh, the painful subject. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, we've, I think we've had a good lead up with the fun stuff, and now it's into the marketing. So yeah. this will be great. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, anybody who's into, you know, into indie comics you know you're not we're we're not big names we're not bendis or anything like that we have to sort of wear the two hats you know we're we're, we're making stuff but then we're you know we're trying to, to get the word out and and, and marketing so you guys are collecting um do you know how many uh, how many issues into this and we, we talked about this a little earlier you guys look at this series as uh seasons right yeah, uh, seasons both in like as if it was an animated show, but also seasons like literally, uh, you know, the cycle of seasons. So the comic kicks off uh, for most of the characters first year of high school, high school, upstate New York starts in September. So the whole first chapter, seven issues is fall. Okay. And then chapter two, which is going to be six issues, but the last one's like a, a bonus size. Uh, that's going to be winter and then it'll go spring and summer. And we're going to do that all through high school. So our first chapter first season just wrapped up and so that's probably one of the the selling points is that this season that you're collecting all of the the work has already been been put in so the 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 turnaround time that you guys have here is is uh you know not seeing any sort of complications with uh, anything unforeseen like printers, you know, shipping stuff like that. But the, the, the work is, is done here. So you guys are, are ready to, to collect this in, in a volume and, and send it out. Right. 
Yeah, we, uh, we're really just trying to reach more readers because marketing is neither of our strong suits. So we have the whole first chapter and you can either buy the individual issues, which we already have tons of in my closet here, uh, but we are putting them together into one big paperback, you know, a trade paperback. And that will have to, you'll have to wait for it to be printed. And we do have some bonus stuff too that would have to go to printers. But like you said, the work is already done. So it's not like you're funding it and then we're hiring artists and hiring letters and all that stuff. Um, we already put in the time. So that should save a lot of time on getting the books out to people. That's interesting. And so also, I guess maybe one of the benefits here is for anybody who is a social studies fan and has been following the story to this point, um, it might have single issues or might have a, a number of the single issues. If they, if they do get the collection and get some of the stuff that they've previously acquired, they're going to get some, some bonus material in, in the trade. What is some of that bonus material that, that they'll see? Uh, we have, uh, we call it a tagged image. It's our chapter one cover. It was kind of one of the characters holding up their phone, taking a selfie of the whole group. So we took out our branding and all that and just put tags with the characters' names. So the first giveaway we're doing, anyone who buys a physical product through our Indiegogo gets that right off the bat. Uh, we have a die cut sticker design of all the characters just doing some insane dance. Uh, we working on a bookmark design. Uh, we just added today, we're doing uh, custom art also, where if you want to buy that package, send us a picture of you, Michael, draw it in your style, I'll color it. Then you'll get a, a four by six print, a four by six magnet, uh, the wallet size pictures and a student ID. We're calling it our, our school photo day package. That's, that's, that's really cool. Do you have a printer? What, what, what printer are you doing this all through? Uh, that I'm actually, the, the pictures are actually going to go to CVS. <laughs> all right. Yeah, photos. <laughs> hey, if it, if it works, it works. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. So, like, um, have you worked with this printer before? Like, are, are you, like, uh, have you had experience with them in the past with printing the other books? Like, for not CVS, obviously, but, like, the actual <laughs> yeah. book printer, Yeah. 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 We're, we're going to get them printed where we've gotten all of our comics printed. So it's going to be the high gloss paper, um, really thick, good, stable covers. And the covers for the paperback are much thicker than the comic book covers, but the, the colors are vibrant. The letters even have like a little raise to them. Like we really like the quality of this printer. So, and their turnarounds like three weeks. So it's not too bad. Yeah. That's awesome. One of the, I guess one of the pitfalls that everybody learns you know, early on in their, their indie career is that, that you think everything is going well and then you turn those files over to the printer and they're like, hey, this doesn't quite fit the, the margins and you have to fix that. But you guys, you know, sticking with the same printer here, you know, taking it from, you know, individual issues to a collective volume, you also probably shouldn't, uh, you know, hit that, that hurdle either as well. Yeah, before we even released issue one, I was sending issue one around to different printers and just paying for a one-off printing, which is like stupid money for one comic book, but mm -hmm. we wanted that trial and error. We wanted to physically hold it. And we didn't have to go through many before we found it, luckily. So that's good. And so the, the Indiegogo gets started. Um, you guys have a website um, and a newsletter um, and, you know, various social media, you're doing podcasts. Um, that seems to be, seems to be your plan here. Um, for, for marketing, um, do you just want to talk about some of the effort that you're putting in to sort of try to get people to, to, to know that this book is out there? Yeah, running the Indiegogo, I mean, I knew it was going to be difficult, but I had no idea it was going to be this difficult. <laughs> I'm sure you guys know because you've done it, but it's like a 24-7 kind of thing. And I find now where if it's like, okay, I'm done with my work for the day, I'm done with my side work, I took the dog out, I cleaned whatever. I have half an hour before, oh, I need to contact people. I need to get on more podcasts. I need to make sure I'm up on the social media. Like I, if I'm not promoting it, I feel like I'm wasting time, but uh, it's, it's really difficult to reach out. And so I kind of just been taking the approach of like, it doesn't hurt to ask the worst people can do is say no. So, Hey, I have this book. If you could promote it, if you could do this, if you could do that, and you're never directly asking people for their money, but even if you can just share it on Facebook, like anything is a huge help. So thank you guys for having us on because these yeah. are the podcasts are huge. Yeah. yeah. We love having you guys on so far. So awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, Mike, what are your struggles? Cause you started off the podcast with the first like 
I don't do marketing. And I, I, <laughs> I think all of us kind of like, it's like, you know, we do it for the love of comics, but like the marketing side of it is sort of the soul crushing aspect of it. it where is. it's like, yeah. you just want people to want to read it. You don't want to have to make them want to read it. Exactly. Know? And I, I think my biggest problem is I try to, I, with everything I do in life, I try to be humble. And it's hard for me to go out and be like, hey, I did this. It's awesome. Read it. You know what I mean? Like I, I can throw out there like a post and say, hey, check it out if you guys are interested. But like the hardest thing for me is, is self-promoting. So, you know, what I end up doing is basically sharing the post that Adam puts out there just because so, <laughs> I, I, I don't really know what else to do. So, um, And again, kind of from now, because, you know, I've got an Irish italian catholic family so there's a thousand of us running around so it's mostly reaching out to aunts uncles and cousins be like hey can you do me a solid here but uh it's it's tough i don't know you guys you guys know where it's just what i'm talking about but yeah i i I just have trouble being too in your face about it i guess yeah i get that i think it's like a different person for me on the two big ones that i've done has to wake up and like, but like he sleeps for the rest of the year. Like, he's just like, <laughs> have to like, it's like, but yeah, um, it helps to have someone passionate, like who's good at it mm-hmm. also doing it. So that's why I like, I like working with Matt and I'm sure we're like working with Adam on that stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know so, if I'm good at it, but I do it. <laughs> hey. So, so one of the questions we ask people who we have on that are, that are running a crowdfunding campaign um, what type of checker are you? Do you do you refresh the page every every thirty seconds to see you know you know funding goals, how many people are are in there? Are you able to sort of um, Adam? You alluded to this a little bit. You might sort of take the dog for the walk, and that's sort of like a mental mental break, and then you that you come back. Or, or are you walking the dog and and hitting refresh on the phone at the same time? <laughs> what kind of what kind of uh, crowdfunding runner are you? Uh, I don't let myself look at it like period. Uh, I went in today cause we added a bunch of new perk levels. Um, but aside from like necessary for work, I do not check it to see if we got another sale. Um, okay. I even turned off that email on my phone. Cause if we get a sale from our website, I have the WooCommerce app. So I get the ding. So people get their books. But as far as the Indiegogo, I don't obsess over the progress. I just remember to put a social media post out or, something like that. And even with those, I try not to be really annoying. Like um, Mike threw out the first pitch of the Mariners game. We had a video of it. I put it on our social media because it's awesome. You know, I wasn't asking anyone for anything. It was just a cool thing to share. And I just kind of wait until Adam updates me on things. I don't check anything. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys are, you guys are stronger, stronger men than me. Cause I, I'm a, I'm a click the refresh page every, every 30 seconds. And I, I take everything personal. Does this person not know that this is here? Or is this person ignoring me? So you guys are much stronger individuals than I am. I like to think I am, but no, cause when it comes to like a UPS notification and I know it's showing up today, I'll sit there with my phone, refreshing the email until I find out that it's on its way. So some things, yes, other things, no. We decided in the very beginning, even if one person ever reads this outside the two of us, we're seeing it all the way through. So I want it to be successful. I want to reach a lot of people with it, but it's we're just going to keep moving forward. So we talked about this a little bit pre-show in the interview. The the two big crowdfunding platforms for you know people making stuff is, is Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And there's uh, you know the big difference is is that Kickstarter is sort of all or nothing. You hit that funding goal, you're good. Um, Indiegogo is a little different, and it's basically whatever you're able to 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 raise through backers is is what you get. Um, do you feel that that might uh, alleviate a bit of the uh the stress that you see do you do you do you think you'd be more stressed if it was the the kickstarter environment that like we have you know budget number x that that we have to get to um or you know we we get nothing do you do you feel a little uh relieved that like you can do this work incrementally with with the indiegogo you get a backer i mean that's that's another person that's going to get the books like do, do do you feel that like that's that's a benefit to you guys In some ways, the Indiegogo model of what you get is what you get is a little bit more stressful for me, actually, because 
we have minimums on what we have to order. Okay. So if we don't get another sponsor on Indiegogo from now to the end of it, we still have to buy a ton of books to ship out a few. So we'll have to eat that cost, but we kind of made peace with that because it's like, okay, it's, it, you know, neither of us are going to lose our houses over it. We're, we're going to be okay if we split the costs and then we'll be able to add it to our website or bring it to conventions or whatever. We'll have extras. Um, our main goal was let's get more readers. So we decided on Indiegogo, even if one person buys it that didn't have it before, it's a new reader. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, um, you know, you guys have this sort of uh, commitment to, to a number of books, you know, that, that, that you're trying to get to, you're trying to get new readers, but you also mentioned that like, um, you know, sort of the, the plan is that, uh, and hopefully this is not the case, but uh, it, it'll be stock to, to take to cons. How do you guys handle cons? You know, do you, do you use that as a weekend to sort of get back together and, and hang out? Or is it sort of like, Mike, you take some, some shows well, here if you have free time and Adam, you take some shows here if you have some free time? We've actually got to make it to one first to be able to answer that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. We haven't done one yet. It, it's a tough year with cons just coming back. I had a couple in mind over in New England here because there's so many good shows in New England that are within like a three hour drive. And uh, I also, uh, I'm part of So Wizard podcast. Those guys have been running for a long time. They know a lot of people in the crowd circuits. So I was going to get a table at a small con, see if one of the guys from So Wizard would maybe come and hang out with me or at least stop in and check on me so I don't go out of my mind um, and try to get our feet wet with some of the small ones. And then ideally build up to where I could fly out to Seattle and we could do like Emerald City or one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good um, that's a good philosophy. I have a similar sort of plan. I, uh, I'm part of the uh, Be More in the Comics group, which is a local Baltimore. You know, we'll go to like a like a brewery and, and do like a, a, you know, a show. There's like six or eight of us, you know, trying to sell books and sort of it's sort of a way to sort of practice the art of pitching from a table, which is different than, than pitching, you know, via online messaging. So I think that's a good sort of policy. It's sort of like uh, minor leagues, you know, sort of yeah. get to, <laughs> to up your, up your game. And then, you know, then you go to Emerald city and you feel sort of a little bit more confident that I can, I can stand behind a table. Somebody can walk by, you know, you sort of see your book catch their eye and you're like, Hey, you're interested in this. And then you sort of have that like pitch that you give them. So it's a good way to sort of, start off small and practice that so I, th I think that's a good plan yeah no, thank you it's also a little bit of a cheat because we're hoping in the year or two whatever it is to build up to something like emerald city hopefully we can get enough online fan base that people might actually care that we're at emerald city <laughs> so um i have another question and then i'll check it with noah do you see um do you see like what most of your traffic is coming from? Do you, do you feel like it's sort of um, the, when you, when you do a newsletter like blast, do you, do you feel like a, an uptick there? Um, a tweet, uh, you know, a, you know, a photo of Mike's art on Instagram. Is there something that you see that sort of you feel is bringing in the most uh, eyes at, at this point? The most engagement on social media we get is Instagram. Um, I think a lot of that is like, it started out just family, of course. And now it's kind of like friends of family and friends of friends. As far as the website traffic goes, I think that's primarily a uh, word of mouth. Somebody hears about us on, you know, maybe a podcast or something and that kind of drives them in. That seems to be the most. So I'm going to check in with, with Noah. Um, I think we're getting close to, to wrapping up here. Noah, do you have any questions on sort of the, the, the business of, of marketing and, and crowdfunding? Um, not, nothing about that specifically. I just wanted to ask more about the book itself because you guys had some stuff in the back of the issues, um, like behind the scenes stuff about like, you know, bios and everything and um, some like character I think like there's some character stats and stuff like that, you know, like some of that things. Is that all going to be included in this, this paperback? And are you guys going to have other like supplementary stuff in the back too? The paperback is actually just the stories. And then we have like, we're doing an acknowledgement page. Anyone who backs Indiegogo is getting a thank you by name in the back of the book. Uh, we're going to put a little preview for chapter two in the back of the book. But we didn't put like the, uh, oh, here's a picture from 1999 we found of those little extra tidbits because we didn't want 
the people who paid the money for the individual issues to feel like, why did I bother? I could have just waited a few months and got it all here. So we kind of wanted to not rip off the people who are buying the big collection, but also do right by the people who are buying it issue by issue. That's a really cool philosophy. Yeah, I appreciate that because that's a that's appreciating sort of the people that buy single issues. They're collectors mm-hmm. and they do it for that exclusivity that you feel when you have a floppy. That's yeah. great. That's Thank really you. great. And um, do you think I should, if I get a haircut in the meantime, before I back the Indiegogo, you know, are you guys going to be doing updates, you know, along the way? So if I send a photo and everything like that, you know, I'm just asking We'll specifically for, for wait. For, okay. your, for your updated look. Okay. Um, but yeah. man, keep keep it while you can, man. It, it goes quick. Just, okay. you know. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just really excited for the book, guys. Like, it's such a great, it's a great story. And um, I'm really happy that we found you guys and you guys were able to share the story with your two cool dudes. Story's equally cool. So thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. You guys thank are you awesome. We, we really like coming on here because it's like, we feel like we're like maybe where you guys were a few years ago, but you guys are doing the exact same thing. So it's really fun to like talk to people who have, have already gone through what we're currently in the middle of. Awesome. No, it's, it's a lot of fun to, to catch up. Um, so as we close up, um, whichever one of you would like to handle the, the pitch and, and where is the best place to go to sort of keep up with social studies? I know there's a website, there's an IG. So if one of you guys want to give us the pitch and, and where to go to, 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 to find out more. We would really appreciate that. Uh, the number one best spot, socialstudiescomic.com. It has a banner on the bottom of every page for the Indiegogo that's going on right now. Uh, you can also join the mailing list there and we only send out once a month. We're not trying to spam you and uh, we're not you know Facebook selling your information. Uh, we do have a Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Social Studies Comic on Instagram and Facebook and Social Studies CB on Twitter. Nice. Well, we're going to put links to, to the website, the social media, and the Indiegogo in the, in the show notes of this podcast to make it as easy as possible for anybody listening. Just you know, hit those show notes, scroll down, click the link, and, and you'll, you'll go right there. So we're going to make it as easy as possible for everybody to check it out. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no problem. So Mike and Adam, it was it was a lot of fun again. So, you know, hopefully, um, you know, another season gets put together. We can mm-hmm. we can check in and, and, and check on the state of all, all our, of our friends uh, going through their high school hijinks and uh, social students. Awesome, Absolutely. guys. Yeah. Cool. So uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice, and go out there and make some comics. Thanks.